Sometimes it feels like to be a thought leader, you have to be present at every single event. Our guest today tells us why this isn't always the case. Elena Pugia knows all there is to know about what makes a successful event. She's the managing director of Datacotomy and the founder and head curator of Data Natives, Europe's largest data science conference. Data Natives has taken place twice in Tel Aviv and is now going on its fifth time here in Berlin. Elena is passionate about understanding how data science and connected devices are changing modern technology, as well as how we communicate these changes in our everyday lives. With a background studying economics, but also modern and contemporary art, Elena brings a unique perspective to questions of data science, building business relations, and curating the perfect event. Elena tells us all about how knowing your audience is one of the most important parts of a successful event. And a successful event is the best place to promote your company, build a community, and add value to your communication. So what's the secret to finding and creating the perfect event? You need to make choices, find your niche, have a clear goal, and come prepared. Tune in to learn more. Enjoy! I was really fascinated by it. It always have been is um, people. Finally, technology did something. Wondering right. what would be the single most valuable piece of advice you'd give us. Because we found what we loved to do. And we that people right with passion can change the world for the better. That's what we believe. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Speak Like a CEO, brought to you by EU Ipso Communications. Today we're exploring the secrets and pitfalls of executive communications with Elena Pugia. Hi Elena. Hello, hi. <laughs> so I'm Oliver Aust, I'm the founder of Eopsa Communications and uh, we are very happy to have Elena with us today. Elena is the managing director and also owner of Data Economy Media and she's the founder and head curator of Data Natives. So Data Economy is a well, pretty sizable, probably the biggest uh, media platform for news, events and expert opinion from the world of data-driven technology. And you're also running a fantastic, very large conference called Data Natives in Berlin, where you're the founder and head curator. We're obviously very curious to hear about all of these things. What an introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where to start now. What well, to let's add? start maybe with a rapid fire. Do you prefer coffee or tea? Coffee, 100% black. <laughs> First thing in the morning. I <laughs> love it. I guess that answers my next question. Do you work better early in the morning or late at night? Oh my God, no, no, no. Early in the morning. Like first thing when you open your eyes, have a cup of tea. No, tea, coffee. Oh my God, I'm confused <laughs> by myself. <laughs> and who's your biggest inspiration? Oh, uh, my biggest inspiration. Okay, you caught me off guard here. Um, Hello. I don't know if it's one person like that I'm really looking up to. Obviously, like I've I've read a lot of biographies and followed a lot of interesting people through their you know journey and what they've been doing and with their lives. Um, I don't know. I mean, from opera, I can be that cliche. Like I would say that she's also inspiring in a way. But also, you know, humanitarian causes like from Mother Teresa. I don't know. Like a lot of I I, I wouldn't say that I have one person. I do have a lot of mentors in my life and I think like there's yeah there's moments in people that they're doing something that is extraordinary I mean that's amazing I love Oprah <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the most used app on your phone maybe Instagram these days <laughs> are you a Facebook or a Twitter person neither 
I, I don't like Facebook. I mean, I, I've used to, I had a love relationship with Facebook, love and hate relationship with Facebook since the beginning. I would say like in the very, very early days, that's where I got most of my, like I got connected with most of the people in my network and I come from the art. So all of the artists in like 2006 to 2008, they were making stuff on Facebook. So like I was really in Facebook and like really following everything. And I thought it was like the biggest invention of our time. But now, like, I just, I'm not that, it's not as engaging anymore. Like, my newsfeed is not as interesting. Um, I'm just no longer on Facebook. And I've never, I never got the Twitter vibe, like, or the ride. Like, I never got into Twitter. I know it's very interesting and useful. We use it all the time at our company, at Economy. Like, this is our, one of our main means of communication with our audience. Because, you know, it's very concise to the point and it's the best tool for journalism. But for me personally, I'm just not a big I, I don't feel like sharing my opinion to that kind of frequency. So I would say my favorite tool is Instagram right now for like getting inspiration and LinkedIn for connecting with people. I think that's totally right to pick the medium for you. And last rapid fire, one thing on your bucket list. Hmm, to travel the world. I want to try, I want to go everywhere in the world possible, all of the countries if possible, by like before I die. How many, how many more to go? <laughs> well, quite a lot, right? I've, I think I've been to around 20 or 30 countries, but I mean, still, there's so many more to go. Like, I mean, yeah, I haven't explored half of the world. I think it's the best way to, like, live your life traveling. Right. So the thing that popped into my head, and <laughs> apologies in advance for the question, but do you like stress? Because running a company, but also being in charge of a huge conference just seems two very stressful things put together. <laughs> do you like stress? That's a, that's a very interesting way of put it. I say I'm say definitely mm. adrenaline driven. Like I like... As a, yeah, um, I, I think that what happens with events and events like in the broader sense, right? Because I come, as I said, from, the, from an arts background. So I start with organizing exhibitions and exhibitions are this moment where you have to open the doors and people would have to come and you have to have everything perfect. So the same thing with organizing a conference or any kind of event, there's this moment where everything leads to. So there's kind of like this climax, right? So certainly I really like this moment of preparation that something is leading up to something, but because I thing I really like it because it's a purpose like I like seeing the end of like I want to see the the fruition of what I've done so far right so yeah, yeah there's definitely like an adrenaline component I don't think I like stress as much as but the next bored, probably like, like <laughs> yeah. most of us <laughs> yeah yeah I'm easily bored for sure yeah, yeah. I'm I, so short attention span right our generation so like uh yeah definitely I need to have this sort of yeah, momentum. And if you rewind a little bit to the beginning of your career and you worked in arts and, and, and publishing and, and art events, maybe, you know, tell us a little bit about um, that part of your first part of your career and then how you made the transition from arts to and publishing to, to data. Okay, very, yes, that's true. Let's start from the beginning. So I, I did, I started in the UK and I did my, my bachelor's and my master's uh, in economics and in modern and contemporary art. So I wanted to work ideally in art and business and in a gallery world. I soon realized that it was not as disruptive as I wanted. It was very conventional, at least back then when I graduated. Uh, but I still had like a lot of interest in arts. I met a lot of artists through Facebook, as I mentioned, and like definitely like being engaged with, I think that creativity like and innovation are very much come hand in hand, right? So and artists are at the forefront of that. Um, but the thing is with artists as well, they start like giving me fruit for thought because I mostly work with innovative artists. So people who were working with technology, so developers and designers. 
through my contact with them, they were always like philosophically uh, questioning uh, how society is moving forward and how the future would be like. And data science was from 2008 a big part of that, right? With a, right. with Snowden move, like with Snowden, with Occupy Wall Street movement, with all of this. So basically, like privacy and security and all these topics are really interesting to me. So when I was thinking of changing my career or looking around, I I actually like stumbled upon it economy and I thought that was a perfect place for me because of my already knowledge of running events but also because I I had an interest in publishing and journalism I was so I was publishing before as well like some um, yeah small book books with artists or work so I was already really interested in that so then I start working with an economy and then inside an economy got promoted and also founded a natives, which is the community arm of the economy. So it's where we have our huge network of 70,000 members uh, around the world and also the conference, which now we have done six conferences, four of them in Berlin, two of them in Tel Aviv. And now we're doing Yes, the fifth one in Berlin. Certainly <laughs> impressive. And for people who don't know, can you explain a little bit what Data Economy does? Yes. Uh, so Data Economy is the media portal. We have articles, uh, thought leadership pieces, um, long form and short form. We don't really do news um, in a sense that we don't have everyday news about what's happening in data science, but we're covering topics like data science, machine learning, artificial intelligence, internet of things. So all of the buzzwords, I would say, in technology and tech trends. And we're just making them comprehensive for aspiring data scientists or data scientists who want to understand how to use specific technologies in their profession, but also to the regular data citizen or business professional who wants to understand, okay, so I'm now producing this chunk of data. How do I visualize it? What kind of data should I keep? How do I throw it away? Like, how can I do machine learning in my company? How can I start with a chatbot and so forth? So we're really helping everybody who wants to understand technology in their company, but also as a technology themselves. And as you said, the data science landscape has changed drastically since 2008 and even probably since 2018. How do you guys stay on top of, you know, what's the latest trends? What's the newest technology? Do you think very, it's important that you're based in Berlin where there is a lot of technology going on? Yes, so very good point. So definitely going to a lot of events <laughs> and that's definitely a strategy for communications as well because a lot of these things are also discussed and uh, to small events or bigger events, meetups, like you go and understand like more how the landscape works. Of course, a lot of research, right, online. So making sure that you have a couple of regular publications that you're always following or a couple of people that you're always in touch with, right, depending on what kind of news you want to explore, what kind of news you want to produce and publish, you need to discuss with different people. So making sure that you have the sources appropriate to be able to have a good and thorough article. But as I said, like we're not really doing news. So it's not like we need to have like an update tomorrow about the latest you know, I don't know, release of Apple, but we, we're we doing more like thorough researched pieces. So we really need to have the right experts on call and we really need to do a lot of research. And uh, where, does the, where does the conference, the Data Natives conference come in here? Is that an add-on or is that really the main business and sort of the media, the publishing side of things is feeding into that community which, which meets once a year? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, d- definitely the, the publication is not as at the focus as it is as the Data Natives conference. 
For my side is, I mean, on one hand, um, I think that right now when it comes to publishing, the future is niche topics, right? So there is future for a lot of different publications and there's a lot of them that are doing great. But for me, like in a such a like overcrowded, overwhelming world with so many things happening, an event, it's a better way to like really put things together mm-hmm. in terms of like meeting people, communicating your products, for example, or, you know, your as a company or yeah, put many potential clients or recruiting. Um, so yes, for, for me, for sure, it was like the most interesting thing to focus on a big conference. Berlin, as Lena mentioned as well, is like a really big reason for doing this conference because I think that Berlin has, uh, I mean, in the last couple of years, like it's really growing a lot and a lot of interesting people come here. There's a lot of interesting startups, a lot of investment and technological advancements. So yeah, I mean, the focus for us and our business is more the community aspect. So the big conference and the smaller meetups, the con- the events. And with the conference, how do you make it special or different to other conferences? Because there are so many events and meetups and conferences day in, day out. Like, why should people come to Data Natives? Okay, for that... Um, so I would I would actually borrow the quote by Christoph Ratke. <laughs> I'm I'm sure you're familiar with him. Uh, yeah, so he was uh, one of our guests, <laughs> frequent guests. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because um, I think it's yeah. I mean, he 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 put it the best way possible. Because he was trying to he was describing our conference. Because um, I invited him, and he said like basically, what we do is that we are really genuine, really unfancy, and it's all nerd talk. So that's, I guess, is the main difference, right? So it's more, it's really geek economy. It's really the, for, for the, like, you know, by the geeks, for the geeks. So it's really like very technical. So we do less business, business talk because there's a lot of business conferences out there. We're more focusing on real life applications of using the technologies and actually like talking about the technology itself. Right. Keeping a real, find your niche and then hit it really hard. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that sounds like a Christoph Redke quote, <laughs> for sure. And um, so when people, uh, how, how many people attend Data Natives? 2,000 or so? Is that 2,000, right? yeah. yeah. So we started with 500, first year, second year, 800, then 1,200. Now we are reach our ceiling for the moment, 2,000. We don't want to grow more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we actually actively don't want to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for now at least. And I think you touched a little bit upon this just before in terms of you know building a really strong community it's by the gigs for the gigs what are kind of the key components of I guess you know keeping your community engaged and reaching them exactly Mm, all right that's a very good question and that's definitely leading up to communications as well so I think I mean I think um, really being direct and honest about what you're offering and making sure that you're clear about like having one focused topic and um, yeah, I mean, I think like they, the, the topics that we're discussing, they're very much, there's not a lot of events out there that they're doing the same thing to begin with. And I think the topics that we are discussing are interesting to a lot of people uh, in the ma- mainstream even. So we started with slowly with building a community, obviously always interacting, answering the question, you know, cost- customer service or like at least uh, maybe customer service is the wrong way to say it, but like somehow like having a user relationship, listening to them, asking them questions of what they want to see next time, you know, interacting with the community. Yeah, I think this is, I mean, this is the most important thing right now. And and when it comes to communities and not only 
yeah, not only in publishing, but also in offline communities. I think right now, like we, we all want to find the people that we are, that we click with, that we feel like we are, they're one of us and that we can share knowledge together or understand the world, whatever pertains to our interests. And I think that's the key thing to building any kind of community, right. adding value to them. And, and which, which channels do you use to build the community and, and nurture the community? I think on LinkedIn, you, you have quite a few connections there, but, <laughs> yeah. but maybe neglect some other channels or you know, consciously decided not to push other channels. Yeah, I would say for us, okay, so our community, and as I said, like this is one community can be replicated to other communities. Um, so because we are working with data scientists, we knew that we first have the profile of how a data scientist is. So we knew that they were not really using Facebook that much. Um, but we knew that LinkedIn was definitely a strong tool, or at least when we started, was definitely the strongest. Meetup, because it's, it has like the anonym, anonymity component where you can just sign up for events um, and really have like a group of people where you're meeting. And Twitter because they get their news there and they, they want to read stuff there. So we started with these three mediums and we just build them on in a different way and communicated and, and yeah, interacted with these people and providing content, making sure that, you know, what, that we are connected. Um, so, for example... I mean, let's say specifically I would meet someone, right? And I think that would be very interesting. Then I would make sure that I would keep in touch with them in most ways possible. And that if I find something of value to them, I would always make sure to share that with them. For example. Yeah. And in that way, you create a strong bond with a person. Yeah. And that can be your ambassador. And then that person would go and say, oh, my God, I went to the Data Natives meetup. These people are great. They're adding value with their talks. They're adding value personally. I would recommend you to go. And then actually word of mouth. Like, really, it works like that, this kind of yeah. wave. Like, you build really personal relationship with some people, and then that leads to more. I, li I like how you connect the, the, the online and the offline and yeah. make, make that community um, sort of wholesome in a way and, and, you know, keep in touch with them in the course of the year, then leading to that big climax, the, the once-in-a-year conference. Yeah. yeah, I think that's important, definitely. I mean, you need, I mean, I think, like, that's the, that's the kind of hybrid way that you need to go about And because, I mean, right now online, there's so much clutter, like so much noise. I think you should find, like you, you should have a strategy where it's a process. You have a strategy and you meet someone. I mean, it takes a lot of time and a lot of work, right? Yes. Yeah. So you need to meet someone and first you meet them in real life. Then you make sure you keep in touch with them online. Then you make sure you give them, you add value to their lives and then you nurture this relationship over the time. It's, it's the added value and giving rather than, than taking, which I think a lot of people get wrong online, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, actually, there's like um, another person uh, who I also follow. Um, uh, they ha He has um, AG Smart. I don't know if you know, it's a design yeah. agency. Mm -hmm. And he always repeatedly says, and I agree with him, like people, that people... Um, always reach out to you and especially like now with me having all these followers and they always tell me tell me what they want from me mm -hmm. that's not the way you should go about like I would not respond to someone who just tells me hi Elena uh, I have this product to sell you well all right okay, why would I buy yeah. it yeah like, like exactly like you just find like you know find a reason why I should want to help you You know, what's, like, what's some of your, I guess, like best tips for reaching out to people that you don't know? Do you think it's, you know, like I know we've talked about adding value, but what specifically would capture your attention? Mm. Okay, that's a very good point. Um, yeah, so I guess like something, well, first of all, 
if you don't know me at all, I think it's either good to say why you want to meet me to begin with, right? But if you know someone who knows me, I think it's better you say, okay, so hi, like I spoke with XYZ and he told me that, you know, I'm working on XYZ and he told me about what you guys are doing or what you are doing and I would be very much interested in hearing your thoughts in XYZ. Like somehow make, find a link, like a link where I can follow the thought rather than like, like have rather than like having a bot writing me messages for example or like having like a standardized message where you send to another like a thousand people so take the time to find some kind of personal connection exactly or don't bother reaching out <laughs> yeah I my mean, personal connection or like what like or answer why like why me specifically and why do you want to talk with me because i mean sure i think like it's i think like in relationships it's important that you know that i think both of there's not like a mentor and mentee, mentee exactly both of people learn from each other right and I have loads of things to still learn but like I think and and to give as well and I'm willing and I'm really open and I think that's one of the things like to be open and collaborate but like I think it's it's important that I should also find the reason like have a reason to find the time for for the person you know collaboration yeah. and peer-to-peer learning seem to be very explicit traits of the data community you know from things like github to slack to reddit all of these channels it's all about this conversation that i sometimes feel like other industries don't quite get to why do you think that is a very good question so yeah i mean that's i think that's one thing that is definitely different from like business strategy for example because when it comes to business strategy people would be most reluctant to share their knowledge or to want to collaborate on something i think the tech community is because like it's not one line of code that solves the whole problem but it's like several lines of code it's already like tested and appreciated that you need to work together in order to achieve the end goal. So I think it's like all part of the culture and mentality of the tech community. Would you say it's like an open source mentality? Open source is a really and good could word. could you explain that to our listeners a little bit? <laughs> so um, data scientists, I would say, are split between the visualizers, right? So people who would just take your data, data analysts, and then they would visualize it for you. They would make beautiful graphs. And they are the open source type of data scientists, which means that there's the level of community where you have tools like GitHub, where if you have if you're stuck trying to solve a puzzle, a code, you go to GitHub and you ask your peers and you ask them, okay, so I've got this problem, I don't know how to solve it, what do you recommend? Or you have a solution, you go and share it with the network. You say, okay, so that's what we've been building, that's how we've been building it take it and do it whatever you want with it so like it's a kind of yeah it's like unli- like not no license no commitment no nothing just taking something and then giving it to the world to be able to like play with it and make something out, out of it how do you think we could bring this back to the business world then because you're right the business world really doesn't want to share their work in progress until it's a final beautiful polished presentation I think like a, a lot of um, a lot of the right now I see a lot of similarities between the tech world and how like the tech has been um, formed with the business world. I think the business world is opening up because of the sharing economy to begin with. I think like we we've we come to the point where we realize that monopoly is not the answer. Like having one big company owning all the data or one big company 
being the one um, producing something is not the way to go. So we should have an open market. So I do think that this these kind of learnings right now are starting to be applied to the business world. And specifically, I mean, from startups to even bigger companies where they're having like entrepreneurs program. But yeah, I would definitely say it's fundamental and started from the from the tech world. Amazing. And I, I, I find I really it like, so fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. Um, since you're an events expert, we wanted to pick your brains a little bit on uh, how to get more out of events. It's certainly something the business community people talk about a lot. There are more and more events and they're certainly useful. Um, but often people go there, spend quite a bit of time and energy and often money um, to, to attend the events and maybe come out uh, not really satisfied with the results. So what would be your, your tips for um, delegates, but also for speakers to get more out of events? Yeah, okay. So this is very good, uh, very good question. So I would say first preparation. So a lot of people get like disappointed if because they don't really do their homework very well or because they haven't thought through exactly what they want to get out of the event. Um, I don't know if I would talk specifically for a delegate, but I would say like in terms of companies, um, I think a company would get much more from an event. Let's say you want to recruit. Let's say, for example, you are looking to recruit. As a company, you will get more of an event than actually having a recruiter uh, working in-house full-time. First of all, like, it's, I mean, because of the noise online and because there's so many high-profile people, data scientists or not, who have been bombarded with, like, requests and headhunters, it's much easier to convince them by going to an event, have a stand, and really talk them through about what you're doing. Then they meet you. It's more a personal connection. Yeah, it's not. Sense. It's not like you know. It's not only like oh, an an only like a impersonal person just sends me like a LinkedIn request and tells me about a company. It's real. Like you know, it's you get you, you see if you if you see how you interact with the other person is really like making it in real time mm -hmm. and it's actually like more, more cost efficient as I said because uh, recruiters are usually very expensive the commission is high but an event is much cheaper um, same thing with business relationships right it takes time to build a business relationship so you need to go and meet the same person and have your brand around as much time as possible according to studies it takes about like 11 times for someone to close a deal To see oh a brand God. 11 mm. times. So you need to see the brand 11 times in order to close a deal. But yeah, I mean, I would say the best way, like, so as to, to go back to your question, the best way to get the most out of this event or any event is to be focused on what you want to achieve and do your preparation be before you do that. Make sure that you choose niche events. So if you want that, that they are really specific to what you want. So of course, if you go to like an event with, 200 people, 200,000 people, right? Like a big event, one of the biggest ones that we know. But you don't go to the specific niche topic or panel or I don't know, which is really close to what you are looking for, then you're going to be lost. You're going to be one in the sea of, you know, because it's like so <laughs> many people. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, like you need to really like, it's, it's better to go to a, an event with 100 people, but it's really, really targeted to what you want than going to... That's to like good, a big event. Good advice. And let's say you, you go to an event like um, like like yours where, uh, you know, there are 2,000 people at Data Natives, which is still, it's not 200,000, but it's still pretty big. Um, and you want to meet people that, who are relevant for your business. How, how would you advise people to go about it? All right. So I would say this, I mean, in, in our specific event, we have the tools for people to connect. And other events do that too. I mean, it, it depends on the event. But for example, we have an app. 
So may, like, make sure that before you attend the event, you see which of the speakers you want to see to make sure you have your schedule and time it. Um, you can also meet people through the app, so definitely check the app. There are different groups that you can join in the app if you're interested specifically in jobs or finding like the best data analyst tool or, I don't know, uh, specifically in healthcare because we have different streams, right? Um, then you can just join the relevant groups and communicate with the people who are in this network and tell them why, why you want to meet them and who you are. Um, so those are a couple of tips. Um, I would say also depends on who you are and what you want to achieve. Um, speaking at events is very important. So nowadays, like the best way to get your message across is to speak at an event. <laughs> how, how do you become a speaker at one of your events? Well, for us, like we have an open call. Um, and yeah, you can, you can apply. And then, uh, if you, you know, if you qualify, we will, or if we want to know more about you, we will contact you. We would have a call with you, understand what you want to talk about and then see if you qualify or not. Um, I mean this, yeah, this is, this is the easiest way I would say you can speak at an event, but definitely, yeah, I mean, approach us and tell us an interesting topic that you want to share. And, and what, what are you looking for in a, in a potential speaker? So what would increase someone's chances to be picked as a speaker? Hmm. So yeah, I would say like if they have the thesis, which is radical compared to others, that would definitely make it interesting for us. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, someone who brings like something to the table something instead of groundbreaking. Yeah, exactly. Provocative. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Instead of like just saying the same thing, um, I would say. The second thing, obviously, their research and work. I mean, it is, after all, like a data science conference. So we, we want to see what they've achieved, what they've published, what their work has been so far. Um, we do favor academics and startups um, because, I mean, startups are the ones who are doing the groundbreaking. Like, academics are the ones who have done the research. Um yeah, I mean, we focus this year on sustainability a lot. We think it's a very important topic because the, the planet is dying. <laughs> so we want to make sure that uh, we contribute to this and help with any, any kind of, in any kind of way to move this forward. Um, we are focusing on healthcare, again, because it's a very interesting topic. Um, and we think that the future of healthcare is digital. Um, and then we're focusing, of course, on machine learning, artificial intelligence, anything that has to do with technologies. Yeah. Some really great topics there. Yeah. Back to networking. So the data science community has a bit of a reputation for maybe not being as extroverted as others. Do you have any specific advice or tips for introverts who want to network but, you know, don't feel super comfortable, you know, walking up to the next random person at events, for example? That's a very that's a very good uh, question. Um, yeah, I mean, not everybody's an extrovert for sure, and specifically, yeah, a lot of the data scientists. Um, I mean, are considered like we're obviously we're stereotyping here, but um, are considered not to be very extroverted. I would say that that's why. I mean. That's why you have online communication there. If anything, I think online communication has opened the door for introverts to be able to meet people because you don't have to do the first step of actually going and approaching someone physically and, and getting to know them. Um, I mean, yeah, I, the, you, yeah, I mean, usually if you go to the introverts who go to events or data scientists who go to events usually go for the content. And this is one of the reasons why, I mean, our audience mostly come to learn about new ideas and really like explore 
how how the world is changing through technology. So in these cases, they don't they don't really have to meet new people if they don't want to. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a, as an introvert, I would definitely recommend and you that you want to meet people. I would definitely recommend trying online, and that's why an app is very important at the event. Okay, so I guess mm-hmm. it just comes back to what your objective was in the first yeah. place. I guess yeah. remembering everyone is there for the same reason, to meet people usually and, and uh, you know, make good contacts. That's true, exactly. So for in our case, uh, people come for the content um, and they also come to meet people. So it's a, it's a combination of those two. Mm-hmm. So the introverts usually would come for the content. So as we wrap up, um, you've got the Data Natives Conference coming up again in 2019 in November, correct? Yes, correct. So 21st. What, what the next few months look like for you? Yeah, the conference is November 21st and 22nd. We will announce our first round of speakers in April. We will also have a new website in April. Um, Then we have some tours coming up. So in May, we're going to north of Europe. In June, we're going to the United States. Uh, We will be closing the schedule by June or July, but we really want to have a full schedule out. That's definitely one tip for anyone who wants to do an event do, do get the schedule out as soon as possible because that would be a, a, a deal breaker for people to come or, or not come. And then, yes, and then in, uh, in September, we're doing another tour in the Dach region plus the metropolitans in Europe and the UK. And we're also do and then we're, well, we will be probably really preparing uh, production and everything. And we will be opening the door November 21st and 22nd. Amazing. Sounds like a yeah. few busy months ahead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's now starting, definitely. And from your perspective, what, what's the top tip in terms of communications you'd like to give to people? Communications in general? Yeah, in general. Yeah, I mean, from my side, I would say be always polite. <laughs> always take the hamburger approach. So if you want us to have a negative message, like radical candor approach, or if you have a negative message, always make sure that you balance it out with something very positive. Um, but be direct and honest. I don't think it's like, it's. I think like you always need to, yeah. And add value as much as possible. Like whatever you say needs to be justified or like a reason why you're saying it. Don't say things without having any purpose. Mm-hmm. That would be my advice. That's really great advice. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank you, you so, so much. much for chatting with us today. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to episode 24 of Speak Like a CEO. Your hosts were Oliver Aus and Lena Carlson, editing by Bianca Amorim Santos. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us everywhere at like a CEO underscore. See you next week. Bye.